If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of February 28, 2021. The podcast that invented nonstick duct tape. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's modernify the news of the bogus. From time to time, we've mentioned the Index of Economic Freedom. For 25 years, the freest economy in the world was Hong Kong, up until 2019 when Singapore topped it. But now, Hong Kong has been dropped from the list entirely. Singapore retains the top spot for the second year in a row, but this is the first year without its main competitor. They also dropped Macau, previously ranked at number 34 with a score of 71 in the mostly free category. According to the report, quote, The index this year measures economic freedom only in independent countries where governments exercise sovereign control of economic policies. Hong Kong and Macau are thus no longer included in the index. No doubt both Hong Kong and Macau, as special administrative regions, enjoy economic policies that in many respects offer their citizens more economic freedom than is available to the average citizen of China. But developments in recent years have demonstrated unambiguously that those policies are ultimately controlled from Beijing. As appropriate in the future, developments in Hong Kong or Macau that are relevant to economic freedom will be considered in the context of China's evaluation in the index. China remains low at number 107 on the list, and despite the inclusion of its two higher-ranking protectorates, its 2020 score still managed to drop 1.1 points to 58.4 in the mostly unfree category. A spokesstooge for the Hong Kong government said, quote, the decision is neither warranted nor justified. It does not do justice to Hong Kong. Adding that the idea that the region's economic policies are controlled by Beijing are ill-conceived and simply not true. He claimed that the decision was because the Heritage Foundation, who compiles the list, is politically biased, but didn't say why that bias didn't stop them from ranking Hong Kong number one for 25 years. China has come under fire from much of the rest of the world for imposing a national security law on Hong Kong, eliminating much of the autonomy the city has enjoyed since being turned over to China from the British, who had held it since the end of the First Opium War in 1842. The crackdown came in the face of mass protests starting in June 2019, following a bill that would extradite those arrested in Hong Kong to mainland China, spurring fears that political prisoners would be disappeared by China. The June 2020 national security law suspended extradition treaties held by the UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, followed by Finland and Ireland in October. The US ended its preferential trade agreement with Hong Kong in July because it could no longer distinguish Hong Kong as a separate political entity from China. Although it's pretty darn obvious all of that is about crushing dissent, Beijing insists it's necessary to restore stability. Yeah, maybe that's why they're not paying much attention to what the politicians say. Governments are really the last ones to say what a country's economic standing should be, given their propensity to lie about things like GDP and other factors. 
economic freedom continues to correlate strongly with GDP per capita, economic growth, new businesses per thousand population, a significant drop in poverty, and many other benefits, including improved life expectancy, literacy, education, environmental performance, including carbon emissions, health care, innovation, wealth and income disparity, social progress, upward mobility, and standards of living. Here's hoping things improve in Hong Kong, and indeed in China and the rest of the world as well. If you're looking for ways to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand advertisements, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to listen to the podcast and all of my videos on BitTube.tv or LBRY.tv to get cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. Or if you listen to the podcast at the podcast page, you'll also generate crypto. You can also go to Airtime.Bogosity.tv to get the Airtime extension and generate crypto for yourself and the creators on the web anywhere you go, including my YouTube channel. Get five tubes free just for installing the extension and signing up, and then simply browse the web as normal. Easily monetize your favorite creators and yourself with cryptocurrency without advertising on BitTube.tv or LBRY.tv or with the Airtime extension at Airtime.Pagosity.tv. So one of the craziest controversies in the history of the World Wide Web has to be over cookies. Cookies are simply small pieces of text that a website puts in your browser for later retrieval. This is how it keeps track of your login status, saves customizations, keeps track of items in your shopping cart, and many other things that websites require to operate in this day and age. Paranoia over cookies caused the EU to pass Directive 2009-136-EC which basically says that websites that operate within the EU have to obtain direct consent of the user before storing cookies. And by operate within, they actually mean accessible from, so as we've seen with so many of their other stupid requirements, it basically applies to every website in existence. This is why websites annoy you with that cookie warning, which appears on so many websites, since pretty much all of them use cookies in some fashion, that the alert has become a meaningless annoyance. I mean, do you really need to alert people of a cookie that keeps track of the fact that you put the website into night mode? However, some cookies represent privacy issues, like cookies issued by third-party websites. If the EU had stuck to those, it wouldn't be so bad, but never mind. The privacy issues stem from cookies that are able to track a user, generally ones that place ads on a website or that can share information between multiple websites. As usual, what governments have laughably failed to do, private actors have found solutions for. Starting last year and continuing into the next, browser makers are phasing out third-party cookies. Apple and Mozilla have already implemented some of these changes, and Google will have them phased out early next year. Now, if you're wondering how Google is going to keep their advertising model going, well, they've been wondering the same thing. And they have a solution they say keeps their business model going while preserving user privacy. According to David Temkin, Google's Director of Product Management for Ads, Privacy, and Trust, quote, If digital advertising doesn't evolve to address the growing concerns people have about their privacy and how their personal identity is being used, we risk the future of the free and open web. 
That's why last year Chrome announced its intent to remove support for third-party cookies, and why we've been working with the broader industry on the privacy sandbox to build innovations that protect anonymity while still delivering results for advertisers and publishers. Once third-party cookies are phased out, we will not build alternate identifiers to track individuals as they browse across the web, nor will we use them in our products. Instead, our web products will be powered by privacy-preserving APIs which prevent individual tracking while still delivering results for advertisers and publishers. Their solution is known as the Federated Learning of Cohorts, or FLOC. With this standard, the data used to build the information needed by advertisers stays on the client side, and the user is assigned to a cohort shared by thousands of people with similar browsing histories. There's no way to determine who is in the cohort or to distinguish one cohort member from another, preserving privacy. Another API is TurtleDove, which ensures that all of the information on the user's interest stays client-side. Advertisers can serve ads based on an interest, but can't combine that with other information about the person, such as who they are or what page they are visiting. Likewise, websites can't learn about the ad interests of their visitors. Timken wrote, Keeping the Internet open and accessible for everyone requires all of us to do more to protect privacy, and that means an end to not only third-party cookies, but also any technology used for tracking individual people as they browse the web. We remain committed to preserving a vibrant and open ecosystem where people can access a broad range of ad-supported content with confidence that their privacy and choices are respected. But not everyone's impressed. The EFF likens this to a behavioral credit score and wrote, This will allow advertisers to attach a unique ID to each and every ad impression they serve and, potentially, to connect ad conversions with individual users. If a user interacts with multiple ads from the same advertiser around the web, these IDs can help the advertiser build a profile of the user's browsing habits. The flock names will likely be inscrutable to users, but could reveal incredibly sensitive information to third parties. Trackers will be able to use that information however they want, including to augment their own behind-the-scenes profiles of users. Additionally, many sites currently choose to respect their users' privacy by refraining from working with third-party trackers. Flock would rob these websites of such a choice. Flock is the opposite of privacy-preserving technology. Today, trackers follow you around the web, skulking in the digital shadows in order to guess at what kind of person you might be. In Google's future, they will sit back, relax, and let your browser do the work for them. Every site you visit will have a good idea about what kind of person you are on first contact without having to do the work of tracking you across the web. Moreover, as your flock cohort will update over time, sites that can identify you in other ways will also be able to track how your browsing changes. If you visit a site for medical information, you might trust it with information about your health, but there is no reason it needs to know what your politics are. Likewise, if you visit a retail website, it shouldn't need to know whether you've recently read up on treatment for depression. Flock erodes this separation of contexts and instead presents the same behavioral summary to everyone you interact with. Browsers like Safari and Tor have engaged in years-long wars of attrition against trackers, sacrificing large swaths of their own feature sets in order to reduce fingerprinting attack surfaces. Fingerprinting mitigation generally involves trimming away or restricting unnecessary sources of entropy, which is what Flock is. Google should not create new fingerprinting risks until it's figured out how to deal with existing ones. 
It's good that the elimination of tracking features continues, but we shouldn't go replacing them with more, especially ones that are unproven and even opaque to the user. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. We covered the misadventures the big content companies had trying to get rid of YouTube DL. Even though it's back, the YouTube ripping platform Yout decided to proactively sue the RIAA for DMCA abuse, which included the delisting of its homepage from Google. Back when the takedown of YouTube DL happened in November, we covered how the so-called rolling cipher works, and how it's not even a cipher, just a number that increments. But the RIAA fired back on Yout with a motion to dismiss filled with blatant misinformation saying that, oh yes sir, E-Bob, it absolutely is a cipher. They also bleated, Plaintiff concedes that it encounters the rolling cipher and then reads and interprets the JavaScript program and derives a signature value to access the file. Of course, that's exactly what your web browser does when you watch a YouTube video. Quote, the only reasonable inference to draw from those vague allegations is that the Yout service enables users to avoid or bypass that technological measure. That is the very definition of circumventing a TPM under Section 1201. No, the only reasonable inference is that you're a bunch of lying cinder brains. Yout's response demonstrates that it doesn't decrypt, bypass, or avoid any technological measures on YouTube using only the information that YouTube sends to anyone who requests it. They say that, rather than avoid or bypass a technological measure, what they do is use it. They cited an earlier case involving Dish Network where it was established that it wasn't any kind of circumvention to use the intended mechanism for decrypting the content. Quote, here, the methodology employed by Yout is analogous. Yout utilizes the same signature value freely distributed by any video sharing website such as YouTube. This is the exact same signature value that appears to any web browser. Yout need not decrypt, bypass, or avoid anything as these signature values are freely given, and Yout uses the value not in any cryptic way, but just as it is provided by any video sharing website to anyone that requests it. Anyone can access and use the signature value of any free streaming contents using only a browser, without any other software, YouTube DL, the Yout service, or any similar tool. Mic drop! They also point out that the RIAA didn't actually allege any actual infringement. Quote, 
To prove a violation of Section 1201, defendants' members must show not only circumvention, but that the circumvention results in access to a copyrighted work. However, nothing in the RIAA's notices references ownership of any specific copyrighted work purportedly protected by the rolling cipher. The magistrate in the case ordered both parties to attend a video settlement conference on May the 5th and said that a party from Yout must attend with full and final authority to dismiss the case with prejudice and to accept any settlement offer, while the RAAA must be represented by someone with the authority to commit to a settlement. This ought to be good. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to caramelize this week's biggest bogani matter. And this week it goes to ICANN, the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers the pseudo-governmental monopoly that's in charge of the domain name assignments on the internet. We've talked before about Pirate Bay co-founder Peter Sundy and how the campaign by GovCo in all its forms against his Freedom of Information activities has made him notorious. After breaking ties with the Pirate Bay, he's worked with domain registration service Nyala and the iPredator VPN. He's also involved with Finnish domain registrar Sarek, who targets technology enthusiasts and fair internet activists featuring low prices for domain registrations. Sarek offers two-letter domains from all over the world, which it can do because those are placed under the authority of the governments of the country whose codes they represent. But to offer other domains, such as .com and .org, or any other domain with more than two letters, they need to be accredited by ICANN. So back in 2019, Sarek started the accreditation process. After being made to wait all this time, the application was denied. Sundi took his frustration to Twitter, quote, The nonprofit organization ICANN that controls the central backbone of the internet, the root servers, and has a monopoly on letting registrars, think GoDaddy, resell.com, .net, .org, etc. domains, denied my application to become a registrar. They're famous for being a bureaucratic nightmare to deal with. I have for decades worked against a centralized structure, publicly voiced my concern about these structures from DNS to social media, We've emailed a lot regarding the terms of service that I propose for my organization. We've made the changes in coordinates with them and a local lawyer to make the TOS fit with local regulation and ICANN requirements. As part of the accreditation process, applicants need to check a box if they've been convicted for fraud or something similar. Sundi hasn't, so he didn't check the box. As Sundi explains, No one in the team has been convicted of that. 
nor murder, manslaughter, theft, breaking and entering, or anything else. I was involved in a case of aiding with copyright infringement from 2005 to 2006. That's over 15 years ago, and not fraud or similar. In fact, in the past 15 years, I've actually worked in a company that was under the inspection of the UK Financial Conduct Authority. No problems, no issues. If I was convicted of fraud or similar, that would have raised concerns, let me tell you that. However, ICANN is of another opinion. After spending over half a year to review the application with a bi-weekly email stating that the delay is normal, nothing to be concerned about, they decided to deny the application since the wrong box was ticked. And they tried to claim the copyright issue was the reason. Quote, I got some sort of semi-excuse regarding their claim that I lied on my application. They also said that they agreed it wasn't fraud or similar really, so both the points they made regarding the denial was not really the reason. However, ICANN says that IP infringement is as serious to them as fraud. Fraud that happened 10 years ago is not as serious as potentially aiding with IP infringements that happened 15 years ago. Because, turns out, I'm actually banned from doing business with ICANN. They got to the consensus within the group, which is not transparent whom they are, that they do not feel comfortable doing business with me. I am welcome to join as a participant from the general public, however, aka a person that they can ignore. But four years of perfect history and a great reputation in their own industry, the awards I've been given, the investments from reputable people into the projects I've started, the UKSE financial authorities approving of me, none of these things matter to ICANN. Oh, and don't confuse yourself into thinking that ICANN didn't keep the application fee anyway. The irony wasn't lost on Sunday, quote, ICANN blamed me for failing the application and said it was because of fraud. This means they get to keep the application fee. However, I did fulfill all of the requirements they listed. What's that word again when someone takes your money without a reason? Cindy also speculated that it might have something to do with the fact that he had worked on a peer-to-peer -peer DNS system that would have been outside ICANN's authority, referring to the now-defunct .p2p project. Cindy explains, I've had lots and lots of domains suspended for dubious reasons, not only the Pirate Bay. And friends of mine have had domains suspended, and important organizations I've worked with, WikiLeaks famously lost their domain when we hosted them. So for me, it's been of utmost importance to become a member of the club here. I can as a monopoly. They hang out with their friends in their trusted circles. So of course, I should be allowed to join. I have fulfilled all of their criteria, and worked in good faith with them. Instead, they're saying I'm a liar, and also not welcome. They ended their denial with saying that they also reserve the right to deny anyone for any reason and they don't have to disclose it. This is the monopoly I've been upset about for decades, and they just proved it again. Many of the people working at ICANN are lawyers. ICANN is a very IP-heavy organization, domains are trademark territory, which means a lot of people has previously worked in other IP organizations such as movie and music studios. They're all located in Los Angeles, a small world. And it really amounts to nothing more than a deplatforming, quote, Today, ICANN basically admitted that they don't like me. They've banned me for nothing else than my political views. This is typical discrimination. Considering I have no one to appeal to except them, it's concerning, since they control the actual fucking center of the internet.
They said it outright in the phone call. It's me they don't feel comfortable with. They said they take intellectual property rights so seriously that I can't join. Now, if you're wondering why this story is also one-sided, why I'm just presenting Sunday's side and not ICANN's, it's because ICANN, despite requests from a lot of different corners, have refused to comment. ICANN requires accreditation to prevent abuse and illegal use of domain names. But who is there to prevent abuse of domain accreditation? Who watches the Watchmen? So all of that makes ICANN this week's biggest bogani emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's recodify this week's Idiot And this week, it goes to Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives for yet more fascistic corporatist bailouts to big businesses and governments in the guise of a COVID stimulus package. The House has passed, strictly along party lines, the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, and with a name like that, you know it's terrible. I swear, if they ever pass the Cute Puppies and Rainbows Act, it'll be time to run for the hills. The total spending for the bill is over $1.9 trillion, which is over $5,700 for every man, woman, and child in the country. Keep that in mind. In the bill is a $350 billion bailout for the states, tribal governments, territories, and over 30,000 cities and counties. But you wouldn't know that unless, like OpenTheBooks.com, you have auditors who can go line by line through a supplemental database hidden on the back end of the House's website. Originally, it was going to be based on population, but the Democrats changed it to be based on unemployment data, which means that the biggest winners were Democratic states. California, which gained $6.7 billion over what they were originally allocated, New York with an extra $6 billion, Illinois $2.1 billion, and New Jersey $2 billion. All total, California got the most money with $42.3 billion. The biggest losers were Florida, Vermont, and Wyoming. And overall, the poorest states get the shaft, while the richest states reap the biggest rewards. As usual. Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York was rewarded with $23.5 billion over Ron DeSantis in Florida with $17.3 billion, despite the fact that Florida has both a larger population and fewer COVID deaths. Rewarding failure again as usual. 
All that's not even getting into cities and towns, with rich ones like Beverly Hills and the Hamptons making out like bandits. Rich towns like Atherton, California, the wealthiest city in America, and high-end vacation spots like Martha's Vineyard reap the biggest rewards. Check out the map on OpenTheBooks.com and the Forbes link in the show notes and see how your hometown did. Basically, if you're in a poor town or in a town not run by Democrats, you didn't do well. Mine got zip. The same is true of counties. It was the rich Democrat counties like Los Angeles County, California, and Cook County, Illinois that got the biggest bucks in so-called COVID relief. The biggest losers are the American people. After Donald Trump asked for $2,000 payments to the people before he left office, House Democrats lowered that to $1,400, and now that only applies to eligible individuals. So you'll get $1,400, maybe, whereas again, this bill represents $5,700 for each and every one of us. Money we will have to pay, with inflation if not with taxes. Money printer go burr and your life go down the tubes as government takes even more of your wealth than what you'll have to pay on April 15th. So all of that makes House Democrats this week's Idiot Well, that wraps up this I Wouldn't Even Discuss the Color of Orange Juice with You edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or subscribe star, and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Elmer T. Peterson. A democracy can only exist until the majority discovers it can vote itself largesse out of the public treasury. After that, the majority always votes for the candidate promising the most benefits, with the result the democracy collapses because of the loose fiscal policy ensuing, always to be followed by a dictatorship, then a monarchy. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial and Derivatives 4.0 International License. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.